0: Welcome everybody to Don't Be Foodish. This is Amy Goldsmith and Kim Cobla, our co-host. Hey, Amy. So happy to see you again. And we're back for another episode and of a new season.
1: Yeah, we're refreshed from the summer and ready to get back into it. Yes. So speaking of the summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that, you know, we always look forward to a little bit of a break and where we really focus on a little bit more intensive treatment with our patients who have more freedom from not being in school and um, and that sort of thing. So while we are in that intensive treatment, I think uh, oftentimes it's surprising how much outside of treatment we hear about disordered eating or eating disorders.
1: Yeah. I mean, Amy, I'm telling clients all the time how our society has and eating disorder and just this really messed up perception of food in our body, not even messed up perception, an obsession with food in our bodies. And yeah, this summer, it felt like it was just following us everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we've talked to a lot of our uh, patients about kind of cleaning their feed and getting rid of things on social media. And those of you who follow our social media have seen some kind of some postings that I've put on there, but... Uh, I think Kim and I thought it would be really beneficial to talk about some things that um, the media presented on social media and how it could uh, really be affecting um, everybody's perception of normal eating or body image and all the
1: things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who do you want to start with, Amy? Oh my gosh. There's so much, so much. (laughs) I have a list of like four or five people (laughs) and, you know, quote unquote news stories revolving their weight or caloric intake. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but that doesn't feel like you know, news, but it was in the news.
0: Yeah. I think I've, I've shared with Kim in the past that there was a point in time when I was in high school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life that I was really interested in journalism. And I'm so happy that I'm not in that field because I feel like it's a travesty, like how, how it's kind of moved forward so much is created as newsworthy
1: material that Mm -hmm. is just absolute shit. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but you know, what's sad though, Amy is yes, it is shit, but it gets clicks and it gets Mm -hmm. people reading the story. So, I mean, if their job is to get people to read their art, I mean, it's working because I mean, you and I have even read it and stuff, Right? Um, you know, so they're doing something, to capture interest. But I think that that just shows how disordered our society is that like, that's newsworthy. Yes, absolutely. Um, so maybe with that, we could, one of the news articles was Heidi Klum and her, yes. You know, caloric intake in a day.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And I think
0: um, now it's, it's going away from me, but it was either 700 or 900 calories. I can't, exactly I think it was matter.
1: 900. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when Kim and I see things like that, we automatically just kind of send it to each other just because we want to be aware of what
1: our patients are seeing. Yeah. But our, our private conversations are like, did you see this shit? (laughs) I can't believe they said that. And
0: yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I was very concerned because Heidi Klum, you know, a lot of people think of her as very beautiful and funny and, Mm -hmm. Um, I think putting a number, um, of how many calories somebody eats, is just so dangerous. And Mm -hmm. I had even posted something on our social media that said, you know, she would either be sick or dead if that was, you know, what her consistent eating was. And I was happy to see the next day. I think that, um, Heidi Klum did kind of, um, clap back and say Mm -hmm. that she had never said that, but it's so sad to me that a comment or a thought can be uh, obscured and then put out in the metaverse uh, mm-hmm. as noteworthy
1: news. Yeah. It, and it's really sad because I had clients saying that they saw that article and, you know, just think about how triggering that is that now you see, oh, this person is successful and has a lot of money and is beautiful and all this, oh, she only eats this. It's like that quickly, something can be reinforced for our clients that like, this is what I should be doing too, if I want to look and be like that. And that's just not true. But when somebody is like malnourished and has like distorted thoughts like that, um, they're not able to, accurately process that article or they're not seeing it from a place of concern of like oh that's fucked up that she's only eating 900 calories a day so it's just I mean I think that's what you're talking about before Amy it's just so dangerous it is
0: yeah and I mean so
1: dangerous
0: we've already proven that during the pandemic that you know social media such as Facebook and Instagram were a key cause of worsening symptoms for eating Mm -hmm. disorder disorders. And so think about even the, the, um, the young adult or child even who may be eating appropriately, but has a negative thought about their body image and sees that and says, Oh, okay. Well, obviously to look thin, you have to decrease your calories. So, significantly that could be the initial trigger that makes you know your child or your friend or your spouse start hey I'm going to start counting calories and I'm going to see where I am and then I'm going to start taking away and it can just be this addictive cycle that causes a severe eating disorder
1: yeah absolutely and you know I don't know enough about it on the media side of it but How do like I want to hold people accountable who print stories like that because I just I see the harm that it can do and not just today but in a week and a month and a year just planting these like really bad seeds of disordered eating. Yeah. But I don't know who to hold accountable to that. I know, I know. (laughs) I will say that you know, hopefully
0: Heidi, I mean we don't know her. Uh, and who knows if she would ever listen to this? Yeah. But if anybody <laughs> does know of her, um, you know, she has a, uh, an ability to really kind of talk to this. And I, again, like, I know she clapped back, but it would be awesome for her to use her space to really kind of talk
1: about how damaging
0: um, mm-hmm. that is. And, you know, kind of going from there.
1: hmm. So who, um, speaking of damaging, Mm -hmm. what other celebrities should we talk about in their, you know, recent (laughs) damaging news articles? Yeah. I mean, I think the one that
0: sticks out to me right now that is not only damaging, but super, super concerning is Whitney Port. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, even when I think about her, her, I would say, I only knew of her because
1: what? What was the show that she was on? Was it an MTV show? Yeah. Um. So I believe she was on The Hills, or something? yeah, okay. The Hills. Okay. Yeah. So that was
0: back in my day. So <laughs> you know, anybody who's around my age probably remembers that show. Um, but I think you know most people from that show. Maybe um, I haven't seen you know, much sustained kind of, I I guess, uh, media exposure, I don't even know, like, Mm -hmm. where most of them have kind of gone. Um, But I would say, like, I started to notice, and I think we started to kind of um, forward things to each other, because from my perception, which, you know, is not always 100% correct, it looked to me like, um, there was an increase of images that were being posted, where, I want to say it seemed like it was celebrated at first. Like, okay, mm-hmm. here's a picture of me in like something that looks like a bikini top. Um, and I right away didn't even really notice her because she didn't look the same as when she was in that show. But whenever I see pictures like that from any like celebrity, it does cause concern to me because it's damaging. Um, and so I would say that's where it kind of started with me is like seeing these pictures and being like, that's really interesting information. And we Mm -hmm. kind of started to forward things back and forth because we didn't think that it was a healthy look. Um, and then I feel like it like very quickly kind of turned towards like potentially maybe body shaming where all of a sudden people were saying like they were concerned, which that kind of made me feel a little bit good. Like, okay, people are noticing that this is not a good look.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And expressing mm-hmm. concern when someone looks, um, I mean, it maybe this is a judgment, but when somebody objectively speaking, like looks underweight, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that people are like saying something about it and commenting on it and not with the intention, but like, Hey, maybe something, um, something's going on of why they look this way. Right.
0: Right. Because when you think of like, when you see somebody who like looks emaciated for anybody who's in a clinical field, you know, it causes concern. We think of like, oh, is there a significant like GI issue or an endocrine issue? Is somebody dealing with cancer? Mm -hmm. Is somebody dealing with significant mental health? Right. You know, all of those sorts of things. So, um, I think that was, I think this case is super concerning. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I guess what stuck out for me, Amy is, um, Her husband had made comments that, yeah, like he thought that she would look better if she had gained some weight, but he had also said, like, you're the healthiest person that I know, you know, in referring to his wife. So it's like, I feel like that is so harmful and saying that somebody is like the healthiest person that they know, but yet he's concerned about her weight or thinking she needs to gain weight. Um, Or she looks emaciated. So it's like, what message are you sending that she's the healthiest person, you know, when like, it doesn't seem like she's the healthiest person, right, you know, and and being underweight or what I perceive as underweight.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you and I are similar in the fact that like that word is a trigger anyways, like Mm -hmm. healthy, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when people overuse that word, um, it's such a broad word. And I don't really know it's like, what are you tying
1: that definition to? Right. Right? And because I've read other articles where she said, Oh, I thought I was lazy and I didn't really care if I was hungry or I was, I just thought I was a picky eater. So it's like, how can someone say, Oh, you're the healthiest person, but then they have this very picky eating or not caring when they're hungry. Right. You know, like that doesn't feel healthy to me. Right. Absolutely. Because What's happening
0: is it sounds like they know they need to nourish themselves, yet they are defying themselves of the very thing that is needed to nourish their brain. Right. And so there's a mental health piece to that, mm-hmm. and which would, from my perspective, automatically cause concern of someone's health.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I talk about this with clients or clients' families all the time, Amy eating disorders are so vicious and that they're telling you to go against your basic evolutionary instinct to survive. Right. It's encoded in our DNA of like, Hey, we got to live and like, we don't want to die. So an eating disorder telling you like, ah, screw that, go against it. Like that's such a sophisticated mental health diagnosis. Um, It's really concerning that she was like, okay with being hungry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think the other things that have been really interesting about this story, and again, it's based off of what we read. So, you know, we... Um, maybe missing some things, but I would say some causes of concern for me are that she had said on her podcast, I think that she's seeing a nutritionist slash is it psycho psychiatrist, psychiatrist, yeah, which I've never heard of that um you know <laughs> there's I have heard of psychiatrists who are also dietitians and good for them for you know doing all that schooling. I think it's fantastic. Mm. But a couple of things of concern to me, um, I know there are a ton of celebrity, um, quote unquote, nutritionists, um, you know, and I know there's a lot of celebrities who tote uh, about that, but there is a difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian and an eating disorder or disordered eating would fall under medical nutrition therapy which mean would mean that a nutritionist is not appropriate to be Mm -hmm. working like with this particular individual um the other thing is you know she had said well my nutritionist does not believe I have an eating disorder that I have what is that a
1: neurovegetative depression which I've never heard of I I'm not ashamed to admit, Amy, I had also never heard of that. And then I was second guessing how competent am I of a therapist that I've never heard of this. But um, really, I think it was just a fancy way of saying the symptoms of depression that, that that can contribute to like physical changes in the body. Um, it's just a fancy word of saying that. Yeah,
0: we might as well make it fancy if we're talking about a celebrity, right? right. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know we can't just say like, oh, low motivation or loss of appetite. It is this neurovegetative right. depression.
0: Which is even more interesting because dietitians, um, dietitians and then especially nutritionists can't diagnose. So I would say like we're very valuable in the diagnostic process mm-hmm. because we specialize in like the patterns of eating and like the symptom of eating that comes from like the thoughts and the feelings. But you know, it's also dangerous for in, in my opinion, it is dangerous for a nutritionists, especially, but even a dietitian, um, kind of discussing a diagnosis or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, from working with me, I have many, many patients who come to me who don't have a diagnosis yet. The diagnosis doesn't really matter to me. Like Mm -hmm. I will get it for insurance purposes, but you really need to treat like the symptoms. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just don't really necessarily think, um, I don't know. It just seems odd to me.
1: Yeah. I professionally diagnosing um yes I absolutely see the reason for it but sometimes you know when I talk to clients about a diagnosis it can go different ways, right? One way, it can be very empowering that this person has something identifiable to call what they've been going through, right? No, I'm not crazy. I'm not making it up. Oh, I'm not lazy. I'm experiencing depression. And that can be very empowering. But on the other end, I think a label or a diagnosis can be very disempowering um and they can really internalize that label in a not helpful way um well oh i'm just depressed so i'm not gonna you know do x y and z and not i'm not saying that as a judgment i've just seen that happen where people really um identify with the diagnosis in a way that isn't as helpful for them
0: absolutely and even like the way that you said that (laughs) like uh the the, the patient or the client who comes to us and says, oh, I don't have an eating disorder. And this has happened multiple times mm-hmm. in my office. I'm just depressed. I always challenge to say just depressed. And mm-hmm. that is a major diagnosis mm-hmm. um, that can affect every single minute of your life and your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think I value the fact that Whitney is poor, is speaking up and kind of talking about what her thoughts are but the fact of the matter is I also feel like this entire story and the intention to it is just so absolutely dangerous Mm -hmm. um
1: it's yeah and it's hard Amy because I don't want her to be ashamed of what she's going through so it's like I don't you know and, and the fact that she is speaking out yeah it could be a way to advocate for mental health but at the same time yeah it's like unless people are talking about it with professionals or people you know who are in the field like it it can be very easily misconstrued and and taken in a harmful way right um so it's i'm not saying she needs to do it privately as a thing to be ashamed of so like oh go into treatment privately but at the same time like can't she do it privately? And like, Mm -hmm. do we have to know what her diagnosis is? And do we have to know that her husband (laughs) thinks she's like the healthiest person he knows? Like, I don't really give a shit. Like I have other shit to worry about.
0: Right. Right. And I think, you know, again, it's just, there's something about Um, that emotional intelligence, right? Like if you are somebody, unfortunately, because I feel like it has, I feel like it's got to be horrible. If you are somebody that people are kind of trying to get pictures of all the time. And I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. But I think there does, everybody has to have some sort of emotional intelligence. Okay. I am being paid attention to because of this. How can I present this in a way where, I can, you know, take responsibility or acceptance of what I'm going through and also acknowledge that, uh, this is something that could be, uh, processed in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just stop commenting on it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, please give me privacy kind of like Mm -hmm. what people do when they're going through a divorce. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have celebrities all the time who are going through a divorce and they always put out their joint statements that say like, please give us privacy during that time. I think that if someone is, in the media and is having lots of comments about like their weight and and that sort of thing it would be very appropriate to acknowledge it and ask for privacy Mm -hmm. um i don't know it's just my thought
1: yeah and maybe this is my own like you know, what ifs kicking in right now, but it's like, even if somebody does that, would our society accept that as a boundary and accept that? Like, okay, Whitney Port said, please give me privacy during this time, or because we're so obsessed with food in our bodies, you know, and I don't know, that's a what if, but um, I can't help but think about, yeah, would we actually respect that? Or would people just keep snapping pictures when she gets out of her car and like, Oh,
0: most definitely, they will still
1: do that. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. It's it does sick. have to
1: be horrible, oh, you know. You're just imagine. under all that scrutiny all the time. And... I can't
0: imagine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is definitely, you know, something that we wanted to bring up, and I have had clients who brought this up as yeah, well. Too. Um, I think the positive thing is, is what I have seen in my office or heard is that there's a lot of compassion, um, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's a good sign. Um, you know, we all need to be a little bit more compassionate with what's going on. So I hope the best for her. I hope that she has the right team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it just shows like, you never know what someone's going through in their personal life. And I agree having just compassion and empathy for them. Um, Yeah. I hope that she, whatever is going on, that she gets the support she needs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that, um, I think one of the other things that we had kind of texted with each other, and I remember this because I do remember seeing this movie and really having <laughs> conflicting thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. So um, the movie Shallow How, and I could be misreporting this because I think it was in like 2013. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but the actress who played Gwyneth Paltrow's body double mm-hmm. um her name is Ivy Snitzer and again I could be saying her name incorrectly
1: mm-hmm. um I just looked it up Amy the movie was from 2001
0: oh my gosh Jeez, <laughs> I'm
1: wow <now> I'm dating <laughs> yeah. myself so it's
0: 2001 um so Ivy Snitzer she has shared that um she actually almost died from an eating disorder um after experiencing um, that movie. So, oh, I mean, wow. I just felt so sad when I read that article. Um, and it was interesting because she had said multiple times that she felt that she uh, was treated very nice and equally on set um, from the other actors and felt like very confident about her role and what the movie was attempting to kind of present mm-hmm. uh, and that it was not until after the movie uh, was, you know, produced and watched by millions that she then felt that she was kind of forced to think differently about it um, and started to first I think she got a gastric bypass It was pretty sick from that she did have a complication. Um, And then from there, reduced her intake so drastically that I read at one point, um, she felt that her skin looked gray and that she was told that she had weeks to live.
1: Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. I know. Oh, that makes me feel sad. I know. Wow. I I mean, I. I remember the movie, I haven't seen it in a really long time. And I appreciate that message of like, not judging a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, um, not being shallow. Like I, I get that, but I do, it feels like cringy to me thinking back though, of like, yeah, I, uh, Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Like, as I read more about it, I was, I remembered things and Gwyneth Paltrow had actually been quoted or had said that she was very surprised at how she was treated differently too. Like she was wearing her suit and walked somewhere and, you know, people wouldn't make eye contact with her. Uh, People wouldn't talk to her. And so she felt, um, that she had experienced some of that. I mean, really we can call it like fat shaming. Yeah. Um, and she was pretty vocal about that, um, you know, w- during that experience. But it's interesting because this is just coming out now, or maybe we right. missed it before, you know, years after. So you said that it was 2001. I was yeah. incorrect about the 2013. So think about that, right? That's 22 yeah. years later. Ivy is coming out and saying, yeah, I had like a near-death experience, basically, um, because of how the media treated me and my character. Um, She had actually said, in quotations, at that point, if you saw someone obese in a movie, they were a villain. Hmm. And that makes me so, it actually gives me goosebumps when I say it, because I feel like, it is
1: so, I mean, on par really. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, so if it's been 22 years since that movie came out, I wonder if she just, she felt more comfortable now with maybe a tide turning and realizing, yeah, like what that movie was and and fat shaming and body shaming. So maybe now she just felt more comfortable to bring it up with yeah, kind of like that climate.
0: And it does sound that she is in recovery. She's happily married. um, So she probably is in that sweet spot of, Mm -hmm. you know, she's done the work. She's in recovery. She has that team that supports her. So it does help your um, bravery. Yeah. Like when you have that support. But the entire thing just makes me so incredibly sad that she had to suffer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Because Mm -hmm. of how media, the media, Assessed that uh, movie and Mm -hmm. how she should feel playing that role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just shows how impactful the media is. And and I mean, think about in 2001, like there. I mean, yeah, I don't even know when like Facebook and all of those other social medias started. So it's like, this is all from like news, like TV and the radio and. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, it's yeah. Like, and it was that impactful. And now, like everybody has that in their hands on their cell phone every single day. Yep, It just shows how much broader those messages, you know, what a broader audience it can reach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I know. And I think, you know, this morning I just saw I think Kelly Osborne, she always seems to kind of be in and out of the, mm-hmm. you know, news and um what did I see from her that she was on a show I think or a podcast right yeah
1: the Osbornes, they went on a five-year hiatus from their podcast so it starts I believe tomorrow um so she's probably been in the news more as that podcast is gearing up
0: yeah I mean I will give her um props because it sounds like uh she was given compliment after compliment Mm -hmm. for how she looks. Um, She did have a baby Mm -hmm. um, and she did seem to speak out and said, you know, I was on a mission to get rid of my, uh, my baby weight. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I went too far. So Mm -hmm. um, I haven't read into that as much, but I will say I do have a point of relief where she is recognizing I'm getting, compliment after compliment for Mm -hmm. this. And I can admit I've gone too far. I Mm -hmm. think that that is pretty brave and I think appropriate.
1: Yeah. I think what I have read is that people were asking if she had any kind of cosmetic surgery and she was saying, no, it's weight loss. And then fast forward a couple of days. Yeah. She's come out and said that she took it too far. Um, Yeah. And I was reading too, that Sharon Osborne, like is, has been open about being on Ozempic and, you know, and I don't know her. Right. But like, if you're 70 something years old, like, why are you on that as a weight loss uh, supplement or, you know, like why is that she has grandkids? I just don't understand why that's like of importance at her age to look thin but I've also never been you know in the public eye and felt that kind of pressure before
0: well I think it like shows you that like with fame there's a price right and I think there's a pattern that we see I think (laughs) there's some famous people who I I really appreciate at times like you don't hear about them that much Mm -hmm. you know what I mean they they there are famous people who do manage to have a private life. I mean, I think about, and again, I don't know any of these people, but like I think about Sandra Bullock, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just read that her um, longtime partner died of ALS. Nobody knew that he had ALS. And I guess I'll retract that sentence because people probably did know, but it wasn't, you know, in the media. And she kept that very, very private. And, you know, you don't see pictures of her kids all over the place. And to me, I appreciate that because, she has found a way to establish boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And it also shows us that it can be done. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you think about like this experience, and it's like, yeah, okay, Sharon, you have a show, you know, I guess is she still in the view, or who knows? Uh,
1: I don't, I
0: don't know. I don't know, right? But
1: you think so. Know, but I don't
0: know. But you, you know, you're 70 years old and the thing that you're choosing to talk about on your platform is Ozempic, right? Mm-hmm. It's just
1: It's just interesting to me. It is. I mean, I do, as we're talking about this, though, Amy, I do appreciate that she's honest. Yeah. You know, because it's not like, hey, I look this thin, like, and not telling people how she's gotten there in a way, right? right? It's like she's at least being honest so people know that that's not like coming naturally to her. Right. And she has to take like a drug to achieve that. But then it also opens the door of like, oh, okay, if I just take this drug, then I can look like this too.
0: Right. right. Um and it, it makes me feel sad. I mean, being a female myself, we have had both have had multiple pregnancies. Yeah. And just the statement from Kelly saying, like, I was determined to get my take my baby weight off. I and mean, yeah you know, we've talked about that. Your, your body's changed significantly with pregnancy, Yeah, you know, and I feel so sad for women that they feel like they, they have to take that weight off immediately. And, you know, I mean, think about it, like if there's not an equal division of labor at home and your hormones are, you know, kind of berserk and, you know, you're exhausted from not getting any sleep from those cute little newborns, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, this society just puts placement on the wrong things. You yeah. could completely not enjoy having that new life that you created because oh, you're completely obsessed about getting your baby weight back.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Or You know, these weird comments that I've heard clients talk about they get from family members like, oh, you've you finally lost your baby weight or like, oh, when are you going to lose that baby weight? It's like, why is not the significance put on like, hey, how can I support you as you're caring for this human being that is like (laughs) sucking all your resources out of you? Like, why can't it be? Hey, do you need me to help you do laundry? Do you want me to cook something for you? Why is that even on the table to talk about? It's super inappropriate. It's not important at all. Like, let's just support people having children and not what their bodies look like. And not to mention, and obviously I'm biased having three children, like not to mention that it's a physical trauma. It's something that your body has never gone through before and you don't know what it's going to look like afterwards. So putting this pressure, it might be such an unrealistic expectation that they do get back to their, you know, pre baby body. And like, I'm a mom now, fuck that. I don't want my pre baby body. Like I'm a woman and I want to celebrate that and all the changes that have happened. So it just, I don't get it. I just don't. It, it's really frustrating because there's so many more important things in life, you know, as moms or just in general, Mm -hmm. there's so many more important things in life than like a number on a scale or how our body presents to the world. Like we're worth so much more than that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's sad for us because we're in that group who is like, just really trying to fight back Mm -hmm. um, against this like diet culture and fad. Yeah. And it's like, We do do such great work in session and with our families and then our poor, you know, patients slash clients come in and say, and, you know, yesterday was a little bit of a difficult day. So I happened to kind of, you know get on uh, my phone to wind down and I saw this, 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 and this, and now I'm back to where I started. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's it's so distracting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It often feels like this uphill battle of, yeah, you're right. We do great work in here. And then that quickly, they see some stupid stuff on social media and it gets them spiraling and comparing themselves and being hard on themselves. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think, you know, it just proves that we need to really kind of clean our feeds and keep working with our patients on that. And, you know, that's why we do this podcast so that we can bring these types of things to light Mm -hmm. and just kind of give a little bit of, um, you know, fact that it's warranted if you see these things and you feel like, oh, why is this news? And this doesn't make me feel good. Um, I think it's perfect to say, and you are not going to be a source that I'm going to go to. So I'm going to unfollow you right Mm -hmm.
1: now, you know, absolutely. (laughs) I'm not afraid to admit that sometimes on, when I see these news stories, I'll like report it and I'll say that it's like harmful or dangerous and why I think so. But, um, I guess that's the way that I like keep trying to fight the good fight.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Well, we are looking forward to being back for a new season. Yeah. And if there is anybody listening here who has something that you really want to talk about, make sure that you comment on our social media sites. You can also give our office a call and we'll have all that information. And we look forward to talking to you all in about two weeks. See you in two weeks. You should try Organic. What about becoming vegan? Don't eat any carbs. How about low carb? Paleo. Keto. Don't eat anything white. Don't forget about the dirty dozen. You eat too little. You eat too much. Don't forget to fast before you work out. I do intermittent fasting. Don't eat after six o'clock. Oh my God, sugar? Every day, I'm inundated with opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. Please, don't be foodish. Join me, Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kinder Nutrition and Wellness and dietitian for 20 years, as I talk evidence-based nutrition to get the disorder out of eating. I can't wait to serve you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for our favorite hour of the day. We hope you enjoyed our latest podcast from Don't Be Foodish. And we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please help us by rating and reviewing. This allows others who have similar interests to find us. We'd also love for you to follow us. And when you do that, you will be getting the episodes before they are broadcasted on our social media. If you have something that you are really interested in hearing or you'd like us to talk about, please feel free to give us a call at 301-580-0008. We will listen to your messages and hopefully be able to integrate that subject into one of our podcasts this year. Thanks so much. And we'll talk with you soon.